I want to go on record with this statement. I don't like being changed. I don't like it when God puts me on the anvil of character refinement and just kind of pounds away. I don't like it when the sparks fly and God takes the rough edges off of my character and reshapes my soul once again. And I especially don't like it after I thought I've finally gotten my act together. I don't like it when God uses trials and temptations to melt my heart so that he can sharpen me and strengthen me and, and beat that stuff out of me that I so desperately want to be gone. I mean, those moments are painful, right? The greatest learning moments of my life have been the most painful. And in those painful moments, I ask questions just the same way that you do. Where in the world is God when I'm hurting? Does he care? Why is he allowing this to happen? And is he going to bend me so severely this time that I'm actually going to break? Welcome to a brand new series called Bent. This whole series is based on a question that I have been thinking about for many, many years. And the question goes like this. How would my life be different if I was absolutely convinced that in every moment, no matter how good or how bad, that God was with me? How would my life be different if I just knew inside of my gut that no matter how good it got or how bad it got, that no matter what, the one constant was God's amazing presence? I just wondered, if I got fired, would I react differently if I just knew that God was with me in that? If I got a raise, I just wonder, would I act differently? Would I handle that differently if I was absolutely conscious that God was right there in that moment with me? If I lost a loved one, would I handle it, diff would I handle it differently? If I was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that even though I had lost that loved one, that God was with me? If I was thrown in jail... I wonder if I would respond differently if I was just absolutely convinced that somehow that was a part of God's plan and no matter how alone I felt that he was still there with me. I wonder if I had to give up a dream, would I hand it over more easily if I was just convinced that somehow God was still with me. Well, last week I gave you the prequel to this series. And right now we're going to dive straight in to the series called Bent. So grab your Bible, grab your Bible app, whatever you've got, because we're going to be in Genesis 37. You can fold that section over in your Bible. We're going to be there for a long time. The Bible says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. Now remember, we talked about Jacob last week. Jacob's name got, talked to, got changed to Israel when he had a scrap match with Jesus and lost, okay? His father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob, and then it changes. Joseph. A young man of 17, let's not forget he's a youngster, give him some grace. A young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. No, we're not promoting polygamy, we'll get to that at a different point. And he brought their father a bad report about them. So, I mean, we're not even one verse out of the story and we know this about Joseph right out of the gate. He's a rat. He likes to narc on people, Okay? Now, I'm not saying that he was wrong. For all we know, all of his brothers were complete losers, but there was something inside of Joseph that just compelled him to go home and say, Daddy, you should see what my brothers are doing. Okay, here's the deal. Joseph may have even been right, but here's a learning moment from adolescence that I think kind of transcends the entire series, okay? Just because you think it doesn't mean you should say it. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? I mean... Just because you think, just because God taps you on the shoulder, just because God gives you something, just because something is resonating in your heart, does not mean it needs to tumble out of your mouth. That's what happens to Joseph. This stuff just tumbles out of his mouth, and it doesn't go well for him at all. I mean, Joseph's brothers feel the same way about Joseph that you feel about that person at work that's always going to your boss about you. 
Oh, I got real quiet here all of a sudden. Because there's always one in every company, right? Right? The Bible goes on and says this. Now Israel, now remember, that's Jacob, Joseph's dad, whose name was changed. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Just for the record, that's not good, okay? Because he'd been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Okay, So this is how Christmas went in Joseph's family. It went like this. Dad would get up, walk in front of his boys, and it went like this. Reuben, sweater vest. Simeon, sweater vest. Levi, sweater vest with a white collar. And that's really funny if you got it. Okay, all right. People are like, what? All right. Uh, Judah, sweater vest. Issachar, sweater vest. Zebulun, sweater vest. Dan, sweater vest. Naphtali, sweater vest. Gad, sweater vest. Don't ever call your kid Gad, okay? He'll hate you. Just, that was free. All right. Asher, sweater vest. Benjamin, little baby onesie, sweater vest. Joseph, North Face jacket. That's how it went. And we kind of look at that and go, yay, Joseph. No, don't yay, Joseph. Here's what we need to learn from that. Joseph got a bad gift from his earthly father, and it was favoritism. Seemed like a good thing, but it wasn't a good thing. The reason favoritism is a bad gift is because of all the resentment it causes in what's supposed to be a family. Now, I want us to understand this as we jump into Joseph's life here. Joseph didn't ask for this gift. Joseph got stuck with his gift. It was his father's sin that brought this gift into his life. Now, it didn't help his cause that he was at odds and having tension with his brothers already, but this was not a gift that Joseph wanted. I'm sure there were times when Joseph thought, being the favorite's pretty cool, right? You get perks and benefits that nobody else gets, but favoritism is no fun when you're hanging out with the people who are not favorites because they will make you pay. So let's have a teachable moment. Parents, you want to rip your family in half? Play favorites. God would say this, love them all, love them differently, love them passionately, love them purely, love them completely, but love them equally. Employers, you know what happens when you pick out one or two golden childs in your company and they get all the perks and all the good stuff and everybody else just gets treated like a worker bee. God says, no, nah, it doesn't help anybody. Joseph's brothers hated him to the point where the only words that came out of, his out of their mouths were painful and hurtful. And if you've ever been on the receiving end of those kind of words, you know they leave a mark, don't they? They just leave a mark. And it creates family tension. So, I mean, we're not even three verses in and we've got a clueless father who's doing nothing about what's happening here. We've got angry brothers. We've got seething jealousy. We've got deep-rooted bitterness. And it's all about to blow with these little words. The Bible says this in verse 5. Joseph had a dream. Let's just stop there for a second, okay? Joseph got a lousy gift from his father, his earthly father, in the form of favoritism. Joseph got a good gift from his heavenly father, and the good gift was dreams. God would speak to Joseph in dreams. God would paint vivid pictures about the future in Joseph's mind. God would show him snapshots of things. And the gift was beautiful. Okay, Christ the King, don't let it freak you out, but there are people in this room right now who have that gift, and it's amazing. Now, if you haven't got that gift, don't think that you're some kind of a second-class citizen. If you're a follower of Jesus, every one of you has been given a spiritual gift, 
And you are supposed to use that gift to edify and build up the rest of the body. All I'm saying is we've got people in our church with the same gift that Joseph had, and it's a good thing. It's a good and beautiful gift when it's used correctly. Here's the problem. Joseph doesn't use it correctly. God gave Joseph the beautiful gift of dreams, but Joseph took that which was good and pure, meaning the dream, and he used it for an impure purpose. You know how I know he used it for an impure purpose? Because he gets a dream, and the first thing he does is open his mouth and start talking about it. The Bible goes on, verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Okay, that's a clue, right? When you share and people hate you, it's a bit of a clue that maybe something got a little out of order. He said to them, hey, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. So think old school, Old Testament field of wheat, and they would come along with these great big sickles, and they would cut down the wheat, and they would bind them together in what was called a sheath, and they would, a sheaf, and they would put it together, stack them all together, the grain would dry, and then they would bring it in so that it could be processed. Okay? We're binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. <laughs> yeah, you get it, don't you? All right. And his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Okay, so here's what we know about Joseph. He's 17 at this particular time, not very wise, okay? I mean, it's just like basically, hey guys, I had this wicked dream and, and I was going to rule all of you and you were going to bow down and kiss my wheat. I mean, that's exactly how it's going to go, right? I mean, okay. And in verse 9, before they even get a chance to take a breath, verse 9 says, then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Okay, let's do the math, people. Okay, Joseph had a mother and a father. Now there was an extra mom in there, but apparently she didn't get counted. Okay, and he was one of 12 brothers. So there's a sun and moon and 11 stars bowing down to the guy in the middle who's saying, you're going to bow down to me. Wee! Right? Joseph needs to be careful or he's going to get strangled by a sweater vest. Okay? All right, that's what's going down here. Now, there's so many learning moments right here, but let me just summarize a few. Okay? Joseph shared the gift of the dream, but here's what he did with it. He did it at the wrong time. And these are learning moments for all of us. He did it at the wrong time because there was already tension inside of his family. He did it with the wrong group because the very people he shared the dream with are the people that already don't like him at all. Thirdly, he did it with the wrong heart attitude. I mean, can you hear the pride just dripping off of his words? Now, before we judge him, how many of us were fully mature and humble at the age of 17? <laughs> A couple of 16-year-olds just went, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Rest my case, all right? He shared it with the wrong heart attitude. He shared the gift of the dream without proper wisdom. I mean, how different would the story have been if he would have showed up and said, Hey, Simeon, I got, can I run something by you? I had this crazy dream. It involved agricultural plants and stuff like that. This is what happened. I could see Simeon going, I don't think you should share that. Not with the boys in the headset that they're in right now, Okay. He also did it and shared the gift without the proper filter. I mean, here's a question that Joseph probably should have asked. How is this going to bring encouragement into the lives of my brothers? Not very encouraging at all, right? 
Here's my point. Joseph took a good gift, but he ruined it because he lacked wisdom. So many beautiful gifts are ruined because we lack wisdom in the application of the gifts. I mean, let's learn from Joseph. And instead of just saying, what 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 did Joseph do? What would wisdom ask if it was in the same situation? I think wisdom would ask questions like, is this the right time? Is this the right audience? Is my heart right? I think here's a big question that Joseph could have asked. Who is this gift intended for? Because the Bible tells us that Joseph never stopped to talk to God about the dream. He never came to God and said, God, you gave me this beautiful gift, but what am I supposed to do with it? Am I supposed to pass it on? Am I supposed to hold it in myself? He never asked, God, is this supposed to go to my brothers? Or am I just supposed to hold on to it? That's the next question listed there. Was it designed for me alone? Now, I know some of us just think, boy, if we get something, we got to give something. If it drops into our brain, out it goes before we even have a second thought. Can I tell you that that that's not a biblical pattern all the time? I mean, sometimes it is to be shared instantaneously. But there's another little example that I found in Scripture. Mary, the mother of Jesus, has a visitation from an angel. And the angel says, you're going to have a baby boy, and you're going to call this boy Jesus. And by the way, the Father is God, and he's going to save his people from their sin. And it's amazing. If you read the Christmas story, at no point does Mary walk outside and say, attention sinners. I am with child, but don't freak out. It's God's. And my little boy is coming to save you from the depth of your depravity. It's amazing. She gets a message from God. And the Bible says she took all that stuff and she just treasured it in her heart. Sometimes that message is just for you. It's God's special gift for you. Here's another question. Does, does it line up with God's heart? I mean, years ago, so I've been doing this now. I've been at CTK for 13 years, been in the ministry for almost 25. And I've had a lot of interesting conversations that have ended with the words, I have something for you. This is a word from the Lord. Okay? I want you to know this. I take those words unbelievably seriously. In fact, I take them so seriously as the teaching pastor, I will say this to somebody who comes to me and says, I have something for you. I really believe this is a word from the Lord. I'll say that I need you. If it's that important, I need you to write it down and I'm going to pray over it. I'll take it to the elders of the church and we're going to pray over it and we're going to test it because if it's right, the answer will be thank you so much. If it's wrong, you will be held accountable because you don't just get to throw reckless words all over the place. Well, this is years ago And a person brings me a word from the Lord. I'm three sentences in, and it says that my wife is going to be beheaded publicly. I'll tell you what, I don't know much, but that ain't Jesus. Seriously, like it's like, uh uh-uh. That's not affirming, that's not encouraging, that's not even cautious. that's That's just wrong. I believe that all of us have to be very, very careful what we attach the name of Almighty God to. We need to take it very seriously. We say, thus saith the Lord. I also think that's a clue to all of us who like to attach the name of God to every other sentence in our conversation. Oh my God, this. Oh my God, that. Oh my God, that. One of these days, God's going to say, yes. 
And you're going to freak out because we just throw his name around so unbelievably lightly. Shame on us. That was free. Okay, let's keep moving. All right. The Bible says God's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. So my question for Joseph would be, did the sharing of the dream line up with the heart of the giver of the dream? Here's another question. Does it line up with God's timeline? Should I talk about it now or am I supposed to wait? Another question. Is it self-serving in any way? Any gift that comes from God is designed to bring Him glory, not the gift receiver. So anytime when we find ourselves taking center stage with our spiritual gift, it usually means somehow we've missed God's original intent. And we know that because Joseph made the dream all about him, right? Now before we judge Joseph too harshly, and believe me, God's going to deal with his pride all in good time over the next six to seven weeks. Let's just acknowledge that we have all done this. Every one of us. We've taken something beautiful that God gave us, and we just misapplied it and put it in the wrong place. I mean, years ago, God gave me the gift of his word, and I took it and used it as a weapon as I beat people over the head with how much Jesus loved them, but how much of a lousy sinner they were. Misapplied. God's given us the gift of forgiveness. How many of us have withheld it and chosen bitterness instead? How many of us have been given the gift of leadership, but we've used it to crawl up the corporate ladder or just throw our weight around so people were intimidated by us? How many of us have been given the gift of a mouth, but we've used it for gossip and slander and just complaining all the time. How many of us have been given the gift of a physical body, but we used it to gratify ourselves? How many of us have been given the gift of wealth, but we squandered it instead of using it to touch people with the generous heart of Jesus? So here's a tough question for all of us. What good and pure gifts has God given you that have been used for an impure purpose? You know, you'd think Joseph would learn, right? Twice, he says, I had a dream, talks to his brothers, doesn't get a great reaction. Guess what he does next? He takes another run at it with his dad. Verse 10 says, when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I bow, and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I want you to know this because it's going to come in really handy in the weeks to come, okay? Don't forget this as we walk through the story of Joseph over the next month or so. Keep this in mind. The dreams were right. He nailed it. God gave him a picture, and I mean, I don't want to give away the end of the story, but it's a good moment. The dreams were right. The application was wrong. He just applied the gift wrong. All through this series, we're going to learn about wisdom. We're going to watch Joseph shrink in arrogance and grow in wisdom. We're going to watch, well, some of us are probably going to quiet down a little bit. Some of us are going to speak up. There are people in this room who have the spiritual gift that's being described here. Some of you shut it off a long time ago because you thought it was just weird or you were told you were supposed to shut it off. And your response to this whole series, I'm hoping, is to humbly and courageously step up and use your gift for the glory of God. Everyone in this room that knows Jesus personally has been given a spiritual gift. We're going to see Joseph use his gift wrong and then we're going to get to see Joseph use his gift right. My question is this, what are you doing with your gift? Because if you're not using it, you're ripping off the body of Christ. Because we're all supposed to be using those gifts. You know, I wonder what would have happened 
If Joseph and his brothers would have heard the words that were written centuries later by James, the brother of Jesus. This whole process over this series is going to be about how do we develop wisdom? How do we find out where God is when life is just hard and upside down? I just kind of wonder what Joseph and his brothers would have heard if James, the brother of Jesus, a whole bunch of time later would have been able to sit down with them and say, I'm going to write this in something called the Bible and you don't even really know what that is yet because none of it's been written. You guys are actually going to be in a part of it. Book of Genesis, right towards the end. It's all going to be about you guys. But I wonder how they would have responded if James would have said this, starting in chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, there's the brothers, and selfish ambition, there's Joseph, in your heart, do not be boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. There's the gift from God. But it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. There's a strong word. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. There's Jacob Joseph's dad. Under his watch is a father, murder, rape, and incest. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So just for the record, Joseph and his brothers did not have that to instruct them, but we do, so we don't have an excuse, do we? This series has everything to do with whether or not we're going to allow God to bend us and strengthen us and sharpen us and refine us and impart wisdom into us so that we don't fall into the exact same traps that Joseph did. Can I tell you how I think Joseph's going to respond as we talk about him over the next six or seven weeks? I think he's going to be cheering for us. I think he would be the first one to say, don't do it like I did. Learn from my mistakes. See when I got it right, see when I got it wrong. Just make sure you keep Jesus in the center of all of this. This journey is just getting started. I hope you'll stay tuned because next week, Joseph is going to come as close as a person can come to being strangled with a sweater vest, okay? All right? Let's close with this though. I've said so many times, every story in scripture points to Jesus. So I'm sure some of you are looking at the first 11 verses of Genesis 37 and going, I don't see Jesus in there anywhere. I got Joseph with a good gift but misappropriating it. I got the brothers who just seem to be angry and jealous all the time. I got a dad who seems clueless and, and, and doesn't know what to say to his son or how to steer him in the right direction. I mean, I, where, I don't see Jesus anywhere in that story. Well, let's roll ahead a couple of thousand years to a prophet by the name of Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, but many, many centuries after Joseph and his brothers were around. Isaiah chapter 61 says this, and I'm going to give you a clue before I read this verse. Think North Face jacket. Okay? Not sweater vest. Think North Face. Isaiah 61 says, I will rejoice, greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. 
He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Joseph got a coat from his father. The problem was, in giving that particular son that coat, it ostracized all of the other brothers. The reason that his dad made that mistake is because he's a flawed earthly father. I had a flawed earthly father. I am a flawed earthly father. Probably get it wrong more than I get it right. And I'm sure Jacob thought he was doing his son such a beautiful service when he took that ornamented coat, which is a sign of status and love and stature, and he put it on his, on his young son's shoulders thinking, this is so, so beautiful. Look what I'm doing for my little boy. What he didn't know is that everybody else in the room that day was looking going, Where's my coat? How come he's the favorite? What did I do wrong? I mean, I was, I was born fourth. It's not my fault. How come dad loves him more than the rest of us? This is where we find Jesus in the story. Because wisdom recognizes that God our Father, who is a perfect heavenly Father, God has a coat for every single one of us. Every one of us can receive a robe of righteousness that's given by God and it's not because that person's a favorite and that person's a favorite. It's because of this. That person's a favorite and that person's a favorite and that's a person. I mean, God has got a room full of favorites here tonight. Sudden Valley, the whole room, you're all favorites. Every single one of you. Here's the good news. Everybody gets a North Face jacket of Christ the King. Okay, not really. Okay, but you know what I mean, right? Every one of us gets that gift. I mean, here's the beautiful picture of the gospel. Jesus has opened the door for all of us to be touched by his pure favoritism. Jesus took our sin and he wore it on the cross. So that's what I gave to him. I gave him my multicolored, filthy rags of all the good stuff and the bad stuff, it doesn't mean anything because it's all just twisted and broken. That's what I brought and gave to Jesus. And he took it and he actually wore that coat. He took the coat of my sin, wore it, wrapped it around himself. The Bible says that he who had no sin became sin for each and every one of us. So I gave him my coat of sin. Adrian, you gave him a coat of sin. Mark, you gave him a coat of sin. Brian, you gave him a coat of sin. Monique, you gave him a coat of sin. Rick and Ann, you handed over your coat of sin. And he took it. And he wore it for us. And he died on a cross to deal with it. And when he was done, he nailed every single coat to the cross. And then they put him in the grave and three days later he stood back up again so that he could come to every single one of his favorites and make an offer. I have a robe of absolute purity just for you. I don't care what you've ever done. If you put this on, you're perfect. But you got to put it on. You have to put it on. And so he stands here tonight holding this robe saying, please put it on. Find out just how amazing it is to be my favorite. There's no jealousy in God's family. There doesn't need to be because everybody gets this robe of righteousness. Here it is. It's a gift. I'm going to wrap you in purity and grace and forgiveness. And everyone is going to celebrate 
because our Heavenly Father got it right. When he said, I came to give coats to everybody. Every one of you can wear that coat because every one of us is God's favorite. And he's the only one that can pull that off. He's the only one that has enough love to go around to be able to say with authority to every single one of us, you are my favorite son and you are my favorite daughter. And I want you to wear white. I want you to wear white because at the end of the book of Revelation, the bride of Christ wears white. I want to cover all that garbage, all the sin, all that red scarlet stuff that you keep dragging around with yourself. I'm going to wrap you up in white. The bride wears white because the bridegroom says so. That's what our Bible teaches us. So it's been offered. Have you received it? Are you wearing it? You can. Because just like me, you're one of God's favorites. We've got a lot to learn from Joseph. And Joseph's going to do this through the whole series. He's going to keep going, look at Jesus. He's everywhere in this story. Next week, we're going to find Jesus in the bottom of a hole with a guy named Joseph. If you've ever been in the bottom of a hole, you'll find Jesus there too. Would you pray with me tonight? God, I pray for every person here who's ever held back on a spiritual gift because they've been afraid or because they've been told it doesn't work anymore. And I pray that they would humbly and courageously step forward and fulfill the role that you have for them here at Christ the King Church. Father, I pray for every one of us who's ever just spoken an errant word too quickly, got something from you, whatever it was, and we just blurted it out without ever checking in with whether, whether we were supposed to hold it in our heart or whether it was supposed to be given at a certain time with a certain tone. Jesus, we come looking for wisdom through this whole series. God, I pray for every person here tonight who has never accepted the robe of your righteousness. And I pray that tonight would be the night when they receive it fully and completely. In fact, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and we, as we get ready to bring the service to conclusion, I'm going to invite you, if you've never accepted the beautiful gift of God's perfection to cover you and your sin and everything you've ever done wrong, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me in your heart right now. Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to take the tattered robe or coat of my life. Thank you for taking it. Thank you for wearing it for me. Thank you for dying on a cross so I didn't have to wear that for the rest of my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back to life again so that you could wrap me in a perfect, unstained robe of grace and forgiveness 
and mercy. I choose to wear it because I believe you are my Savior and my King. I receive this beautiful gift and I ask that you would transform me, that you would bend me as I learn about my new identity as one of your favorites. And I pray these things in your precious name. With everyone's head still bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, I believe God has just spiritually transformed you. And I'll never do anything to embarrass you, but I would love to be able to pray for you this week. If you prayed that prayer, would you just slip your hand up into the air so that I can see it, stick it straight up. God bless you, and God bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you up in the back corner. God bless you. Jesus, thank you that you never gave up on Jacob. You never gave up on Joseph, and you'll never give up on us. We make ourselves wholly available to you this series. Would you bend us, God, so that we could look more and more like you? And Jesus, thank you for allowing us to be numbered amongst your favorites. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.